Hello, and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk about different battery chemistries for lithium-ion batteries mostly, because lithium-ion batteries are the way to go. And we're not talking about lithium batteries, like as in lithium metal anode, we're talking about lithium ion batteries. And so it's not solid lithium metal. This is your typical battery that you're seeing in electric vehicles, electronics, all kinds of stuff. This one thing about lithium metal batteries and the reason that we don't oftentimes see them is they're not very good at being rechargeable these days. You can recharge them, but they can get these things called dendrites. Dendrites are something that you sometimes talk about if you were a brain surgeon. They're how your nerves talk to each other. And just to get the picture of that, there's all these fingers going out. And when the fingers or the dendrites come out with a lithium metal anode battery, after you charge it and discharge it a bunch of times, it can short out. And a short with a battery is not a good thing. Those dendrites will just go across from the anode to the cathode, or you could say from the cathode to the anode, same difference. They make a connection there and they short out. And shorting out a battery could cause what we call a thermal event, which is a nice name for a fire. And we don't want to have that happening. You do see lithium metal batteries, though, a lot of time when you have, say, a Rolex or something like that, a non-rechargeable watch, a battery that you would change out rather than put in a new battery because the types of lithium metal batteries that are not rechargeable, they're better. They last longer until you have to charge them, which you don't charge them and you just throw them away. However, there are people working on better technologies for lithium metal batteries. And once they figure that out and make it reliable and safe, then we can put them in our cars and our electronics and maybe they will go twice as far and last twice as long. And so as we're talking about these lithium ion chemistries, we're gonna compare them to different chemistries such as lead acid. And so lead acid batteries, they've been around for a long time. You know about them in your cars. A lot of times those were the car batteries for those kinds of cars that drive with gasoline. That's right, explosions, many times a second, exploding things going on with lots of moving parts and heat to move around. Yep, gasoline can hold a lot more energy than a battery, but the problem with that energy too is it's not very usable. Most of the energy that goes into our internal combustion engine turns into heat, and we have to have these fancy systems with radiators and exhaust pipes and catalytic converters that people like to rip off, which is part of our exhaust system. And you can feel those exhaust pipes. They're really hot. The engines are really hot. And so most of the energy coming from the gasoline turns into heat. That's not very efficient. And most of the energy when you have an electric vehicle does not turn into heat. That turns into energy that moves you forward. So even if we could get half of the energy per weight, we call that specific energy, not energy density. If we could get half of the specific energy for our lithium ion batteries, then we get for gasoline, then we're doing a lot better and we can go a lot farther because most of that energy in the gasoline just gets blown away down the freeway and turns into heat. Yes, you are leaving a trail of heat when you're driving an internal combustion engine, and those cars use lead-acid batteries to turn over the engine. Another thing that's kind of interesting, though, is most electric vehicles also have a lead-acid battery in there. We call that the auxiliary battery, and it's not a starting battery like your typical internal combustion engine car. 
it is a battery for your auxiliary systems. And so your radio, your alarm system, things like that. You don't want to leave that big, huge, expensive battery on while you're sleeping, while you're not driving your car. You just want to use that deep cycle lead acid battery that's a lot smaller, and then you can top it off with your big battery when it needs to be topped off. So I am doing this recording right now, recording this podcast from Sydney, Australia. And my electric vehicle, which is a 2015 Model S, is plugged in at the San Francisco International Airport. And so my big battery is probably done being charged and it's just sitting there and it has that lead acid battery in there that's keeping it going so I could get on my app and see what's going on with the car and all those 12 volt nominal systems. Yes, we call it nominal because it works at different voltages and 12 volts is within the range. It's kind of on the low side of the range of a lead acid battery. A lot of times your lead acid battery is working at over 14 volts. In fact, if you fly small airplanes, they don't call it a 12 volt radio. They call it a 14 volt radio because when you're flying, your alternator is topping that battery off and it's topping it off around 14 volts, a lot closer to 14 than 12. So lithium versus lead acid, besides weighing a lot less, that's called specific energy, not energy density, which is energy per volume, that lead is toxic, but we do have very good recycling programs that work with lead acid batteries and lithium ion batteries have just gone down so much in price that they are putting these lead acid batteries out of business. In fact, some of the newer electric vehicles have even got rid of the 12 volt lead acid auxiliary battery. So we were talking about toxicity with lead acid batteries. And you know what? Lithium is actually a medicine. Yeah, there's people here listening to this podcast right now that took their lithium this morning. So some of the terms that we're gonna go over while we're talking about these batteries here, are lithium, of course, and that is the third element. After the Big Bang, first there was hydrogen, then there was helium, and then there was lithium. On the third day, there was lithium. I don't think they knew what a day was back then. And so another thing that we're gonna talk a little bit about is carbon. And so carbon is what organic chemistry is made out of, like carbon dioxide has carbon in it, carbon makes our DNA, carbon makes human life possible. Any kind of life on this planet is carbon-based. And that's because carbon works pretty good because four out of eight electrons in the outer shell are filled and then the other four need to combine with something else. And just happens to be that silicon, which is what we make solar out of, has four out of eight electrons in the next outer shell full. So there's a lot of similarities there. If you watch that movie, The Terminator, you will see that we will be evolving from carbon to silicon. Ha ha ha. Just scaring you. So another thing that we're going to talk about here is iron. And iron is super abundant. We know that from steel and everything. And the core of the earth, there's an inner core and the outer core. That core of the earth is pretty much mostly iron. We have solid iron because of intense pressure. Is the inner core and the outer core is liquid iron, molten iron. And as that spins, that makes the magnetic field that protects us from cosmic rays that makes life possible. So we are never gonna run out of iron. There's plenty of iron. There's a lot of lithium too. We're not gonna run out of lithium either, but especially iron. And the next thing that we're gonna talk about is cobalt. 
And cobalt is used for a lot of our batteries, especially the batteries in cars that want to go a long distance because the batteries with cobalt in them, which we're going to be talking about, work better than the lithium ion batteries with iron in them. So stay tuned for that. Another thing that we see in some of these cobalt batteries is aluminum. And aluminum and manganese are pretty easy to get, especially aluminum. So let's start diving into these things. And what I'm going to tell you about right now are the three types of chemistries that we're seeing with these lithium ion batteries. And sometimes people get mixed up and they say lithium ion, lithium iron. And so let's talk about that a little bit. Lithium iron phosphate. And by the way, Fe for ferrous is the symbol Fe on the periodic table of elements that we see for iron. So a lot of times when people say iron, they say it with the letter F. So isn't that weird? Iron is an F word, a four letter word. <laughs> I-R-O-N symbolized by F. And if you don't get that right on your test, you get an F. So for lithium iron phosphate, we see that oftentimes abbreviated as LFP. Sometimes people put LIFEPO down when they're talking about it, LIFEPO. But a lot of times the way I see it is LFP and that's lithium iron phosphate and it has a little bit less specific energy and a little bit less energy density than the other types. And so the other types are NMC, and that stands for lithium, nickel, manganese, cobalt, oxide. And sometimes you'll see it as NCM instead of NMC. It's the same thing. And I'm just gonna say it one more time. Lithium, nickel, manganese, cobalt, oxide, woo! And my car, which is an older Tesla, uses the NCA chemistry. And that stands for lithium, nickel, cobalt, aluminum oxide. We'll say that one more time. NCA stands for lithium, nickel, cobalt, aluminum oxide. And so what we're talking about with these three different types of chemistries, LFP, NMC, and NCA, those are all lithium ion chemistries. And that means it has a lithium metal oxide cathode and a graphite anode. And a lot of times that graphite anode has some silicon in it because it makes it work a little bit better. But if we made it pure silicon, it's hard to control because it expands and contracts and it doesn't work so well, but people are working on that technology. There's also some other types of batteries that aren't as common, such as LCO, that's lithium cobalt oxide, LMO, lithium manganese oxide, and LTO, lithium titanate. And of course, we said before, there's a primary type of battery. Primary means not rechargeable, which is the lithium metal anode. And it actually is rechargeable, but it just is not safe to recharge a lot. There are some companies that are even doing it, but it's just really rare. And we're gonna probably see some more of that as technology gets better and people have figure out how to make things safer. One thing I wanna just kind of mention here too, is that you're gonna read news articles all the time and they're gonna tell you about some new exciting thing that's gonna revolutionize the industry. Just don't expect it to happen quickly. The way that we see things happen with solar and with energy storage is gradual increases over time. Somebody figures something out, there might be some potential 20 years down the road, but we're gonna get there in steps. It's not gonna be some overnight thing. And so I'm gonna talk a little bit about these different chemistries that we have, the LFP, the NMC, and the NCA. And the LFP has less energy density and less specific energy than NMC and NCA. And with NMC and NCA, the C is for cobalt and the LFP is cobalt free. And a lot of people are trying to get away from cobalt. We're gonna talk more about that in a little bit, 
And that's because cobalt is made with bad labor practices. And it's kind of hard to find, and most of it's in one country, Congo. Speaking of the letter C. And so when we're talking about stationary energy storage systems, that's energy storage systems that are not in vehicles, I am seeing a lot of people go in for LFP lately. And another truth to all this, though, is that most lithium-ion batteries are made for electric vehicles. And so they mass produce it for electric vehicles and it's a lot, and it's really easy to just make a little bit extra for these stationary energy storage products. And so that's why a lot of people have been shying away from LFP, that's lithium iron phosphate. However, as more and more batteries are getting made for all kinds of applications, we're seeing lithium iron phosphate growing, especially since the controversies that we're seeing with cobalt. And as they're getting better at making these lithium ion batteries, the efficiency of the lithium iron phosphate is catching up with the way that the NMC and the NCA batteries used to be some years ago. And this has been around for a long time. My electric vehicle is already eight years old. That's pretty old for an electric vehicle. I'm sure there's hundreds of times more electric vehicles in the world than there were when my car was made. Hundreds of times. Now it's more common to see electric vehicles with lithium iron phosphate batteries. Even Tesla is doing that with their Model 3s that are not the long range version. I know because I have driven one. One of the things that's kind of interesting about that is when you buy the car, it's hard to even tell what kind of battery it has unless you go out there and read some newspaper articles because it doesn't say it on the car. One of the ways that I could tell that it was the lithium iron phosphate type of battery is in the instructions, it told you to charge it all the way, 100% full charge. And you don't do that with the types of batteries that have cobalt in them. Another term that sometimes people use for the NMC and the NCA batteries that want cobalt in them is they call it trinary because it has these three different things besides lithium, like nickel, manganese, and cobalt for the NMC or nickel, cobalt, and aluminum for the NCA. Tri, where LFP, they have to put the L there, but I guess what would we call that? Binary, because it has F and P in it besides the L. We just like to have these three-letter abbreviations. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about with these batteries is the nominal voltage. And that's the voltage in name. So it's somewhere in the middle of the voltage range. And with these trinary batteries, that's the NMC and the NCA, the nominal voltage is 3.6 volts. But that also means that we could charge it more maybe up to 4.2 volts. And then our cutoff might be somewhere between two and a half and three volts. And these voltages too have to do with the state of charge, but also if you're charging it or have a load on it. So if you wanna make your battery last longer, you don't overcharge it or undercharge it. And now the nominal voltage of the LFP battery, that's the lithium iron phosphate type of battery is 3.2 volts. And that particular battery, you want to keep it between 3.6 volts and 2.5 volts. But a lot of that stuff is just going to be programmed by your battery management system, so you don't have to worry about that stuff. But it's good to know the nominal voltages. And so once again, the NCA and the NMC battery, which have higher specific energy, that's energy per weight, have a nominal voltage of 3.6 volts. And the LFP battery, that's lithium iron phosphate, has a nominal voltage of 3.2 volts. 
that's a good thing to remember. Lithium iron phosphate is also known as being a little bit more heavy duty, a little bit less temperamental, more resistant to overcharging and things like that. However, all of these lithium ion batteries have to have a BMS, and that stands for battery management system. And so there's going to be temperature sensors to make sure that battery is not too hot, sensors for current, sensors for voltage, just to make sure that nothing gets out of the range. It's a protective device, and it will shut things off if there's a problem. That's the BMS, the battery management system. And I know we've talked about it in different podcasts, but I'm just going to kind of mention it again. In the U.S., you have to have a UL-listed energy storage system for most applications, and that is UL9540. And then there's also something called fire testing, where they intentionally disable the battery management system and make it catch on fire on purpose, and that is called UL9540A. So you add an A to the end of that A, or whoops, I'm in Australia, so I shouldn't say A, A. I should say good day, eh? And then one more thing about these lithium ion batteries is you or I, we are not supposed to charge them below freezing. And so that's zero degrees Celsius, 32 Fahrenheit. And there's some of them where they have heaters in them. In fact, many of them, there's heating and cooling systems with the batteries to keep the temperature just right. But when the battery cell itself is below freezing, you can't charge it, but typically you could discharge it down to 20 below zero Celsius, which is four below zero Fahrenheit. And so lithium ion batteries are super efficient. So you can get up there above 95% efficient. And if you're a lead acid battery guy, you're lucky to get 70% efficient. And so since we're talking about chemistries of batteries, mostly lithium ion, but let's just talk about something else that's kind of neat. It's called the nickel iron battery. And that's something that our buddy Thomas Edison was into. And the cool thing about this battery is it is super heavy duty. Apparently you can find one of these batteries in a junkyard that's 10, 20 years old, sitting out there, hasn't seen a charge in decades, take it home, charge it up and it works. And so if you're a prepper, definitely go for nickel iron. But it's really expensive, it's heavy, and it doesn't have the efficiency of a lithium-ion battery as far as round-trip efficiency goes. But for preppers, this is your battery. And so I'm just going to name off some of the countries where lithium is mined, where they get lithium. And so 2021 numbers are Australia, 52% of lithium. Chile, 25% of lithium. China, 13. Argentina, 6%. Brazil, 1%. And then other countries at 1% are Zimbabwe, Portugal, the United States, and the rest of the world, not much at all. One of the things about lithium-ion batteries is the industry is growing so fast and it takes sometimes a year to get the data, sometimes more. So we don't always have the super up-to-date data. So just always keep that in mind when you're looking at the data that the industry is growing like crazy and you can't just go out there and get today's data. And I do have data for 2022. Right now it's 2023 and the countries that are first, second and third place and I don't have the percentages. I'm just gonna go from first place down to the end. And so we start off with Australia, Chile, China, Argentina, the United States, Brazil, Zimbabwe, Portugal, Bolivia, Canada, and Namibia. So just to kind of give you an idea of how much is out there, and these numbers are in tons. So in 2022, the whole world mined 130,000 tons. And right now the world reserves should be at about 26 million tons. So we have 130,000 tons in a year and 26 million total in the world. Then we can start finding more lithium 
and there is lithium in seawater. Perhaps most of it is there. We just have to figure out how to get it out. And so next, we're going to talk about a sensitive subject, which is cobalt. So the DRC, that's the Democratic Republic of the Congo. That's where half of the cobalt in the world is. And also in the Congo, China owns a lot of those mines. Then we have some other places with some cobalt, like Australia, Cuba, Philippines, and some other countries. But pretty much most of the cobalt is in the Congo. Maybe they should change the name of the country to the cobalt instead of the Congo. And there have been some articles such as in the Financial Times, about Australia trying to cash in on the cobalt because of the supply chain's concerns that we're going to talk about in a little bit. So right about now, 98.3% of the cobalt mined is coming out of the Congo. But once again, the numbers can be different depending on your source and where you're looking. And so the problem with cobalt, as I said before, is the labor practices, especially child labor. So there's children in the Congo where there's a lot of people hungry too, and their only way to eat is by mining cobalt. And so there's a lot of different pictures that you can see in the news of these kids banging on rocks, the hammer, getting all muddy, mining cobalt. And so that is a terrible thing. But also starvation is a terrible thing too. You can read about it too in Amnesty International about the human rights abuses in the Congo for cobalt. And so there's the big cobalt mines where they say that they're not using child labor, but there's a lot of cobalt that is mined informally. And so they're just little small mines where people are just banging on rocks with hammers and stuff like that, digging into the earth. And another way to help out is through UNICEF, unicef.org forward slash DR Congo. That's Democratic Republic of Congo slash EN. So unicef.org forward slash DR Congo, forward slash EN. Help these kids out, get them a meal. And so there's a lot of companies that are trying to figure out how to do sustainable cobalt. Another problem that I think that they would have too with a lot of things is how do you track where the cobalt came from? So there's probably cobalt out there that people say was not made with child labor that was. So a good percentage of lithium ion batteries are made with cobalt. And perhaps the solution is gonna be those lithium iron phosphate batteries. So another thing that we talked about that's in the NMC, the M is for the manganese. And there's lots of manganese. It's abundant in Earth's crust. It's actually an essential element for humans. Like we have to have it to be alive. And there's just no manganese problem. Manganese was even used for the pigments on the Paleolithic cave paintings. So that means Stone Age. Nickel is all over the place. It's in our money. And we have a lot of nickel in our batteries. In fact, by weight, Maybe we should just call them nickel batteries. So we're looking at the NMC, that's nickel manganese cobalt, and the NCA, nickel cobalt aluminum, and the nickel. Did you know that if you melted down a nickel, that's five cents, you could get 10 cents just for the metal. What a deal. We should all be nickel melters. I did read a book by this guy named Tony Robbins, and there was somebody in his book that bought 20 million nickels, that's a million dollars worth of nickels, and put them in his room because he knew that that would be worth double of what he paid for it. You just never know when you're gonna need to melt down your nickels. So there's different ratios too that we're seeing, and they're trying to get ratios of these different elements to be different. And so we have the 111, which is one third nickel, one third manganese, and one third cobalt. And we're seeing just some different recipes to get rid of having to use so much cobalt, like the 532 or the 622. And so here comes Iron Man, lithium iron phosphate. No cobalt. It does have less energy and less voltage, but it's more thermally stable. It's tolerant to a full charge. 
For instance, my NCA battery, that's lithium, nickel, cobalt, aluminum oxide, my car, I don't ever charge it to a full charge. I could, it would still work, but it might not last as long. And I want my battery to last for a really long time. Sometimes when I'm going on a long trip, I might charge it a little bit more, but typically I keep it between 20 and 80. I figure that's a pretty good place to keep it. When I'm gone for a while on a trip, I might bring it to 75. And then when I'm on my way home, top it off to 80 when it's plugged into the charger. Another thing too, that's kind of interesting about the lithium iron phosphate is some people use it to replace the lead acid battery. And so remember the lead acid battery is 12 volts nominal. And if you have these 3.2 volt lithium iron phosphate battery cells, you put four in series and you get 12.8 volts, which is close to the 12 volt car battery that you're charging up to 14.4. The problem is if you go on a long trip, you will be trickle charging that battery and you don't trickle charge lithium ion batteries. And so it won't be good for the lithium iron phosphate battery. And if you were using a different type of lithium battery with cobalt, it could be a bad thing. Another thing too, is we're talking about replacing the 12 volt lead acid battery. So the 12 volt lead acid battery is made up of six cells that are two volts nominal. So I think we've gone over these chemistries pretty much. I think that's a good thing. And I wanna leave you with a way to save children's lives. Yes, children's lives. You know those little button cells, those little ones that come in the electronics, maybe in your kids' toys and things like that? You know how you have to get that little watch-style screwdriver to take the back off to change out those batteries? Well, every year, 2,800 children in the United States have to go into the emergency room for swallowing those button cell batteries, like a watch battery. So make sure that you don't have those watch batteries, those little button cell type batteries, anywhere where a kid can get their hands on them. And another thing too is lithium ion batteries have very high short circuit currents. You can get a lithium ion battery that looks a lot like a AA battery or a flashlight battery. And I know because I have one, I bought the same type of battery that I have in my car. It's called an 18650, that's 18 by 65 millimeters. And there have been people that put those in their pockets with change, with some coins, and got serious burns on their legs. So don't go sticking a lithium ion battery into your pocket unless it is protected. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you know more about lithium ion battery chemistries. And thanks for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. To learn more, go to solar, S-E-A-N, that's solarshawn.com. And you can find out more about everything to do with energy storage systems, with solar systems. You can take my heat spring classes. You can get NAPSEP certified. Or you can hire me to come to your continent to train you. 